1: Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And I've got another great show from last week's rock and wrestling rager at sea. I can't believe it's been a week already. Oh, I'm Jones and four, But don't worry, the triple whammy is coming February 1st to the 5th. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Stay tuned for all information. But you're going to get more exclusive live podcasts just like this one, The Gathering of the Guerreros. We recorded it live on the ship, on the pool deck, uh, with Eddie's wife, Vicky, his daughter, Shawl. Uh, and his nephew, a.k.a. tag team partner, a.k.a. little brother, Chavo Guerrero Jr. Shared some great stories and memories of the late, great Eddie Guerrero, and you're going to hear them all. Believe me, you're going to laugh, you're going to cry, you might get a little bit uh, <laughs> grossed out. But first, we're going to get our laugh on with Duff McKagan and the patented joke of the week.
2: Hey, uh, Chris Jericho, it's
1: Duff McKagan calling Yeah, you. Hope you're doing well. I just got down to rehearsal, but earlier in the day, I was uh, working in my garden. and My neighbor peeked over the fence and said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm putting all my plants in alphabetical order. She said, well, I, I really don't know how you refine the time. I said, that's easy. It's right next to Sage. Thank you very much. Bye. Ah, very nice. <laughs> I like that one. I actually Duff very rarely sends in a bad one cuz even the bad ones I still get a kick out of it. Just the fact that he's doing it. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer currently working on new Guns N' Roses material, getting ready to do more Guns N' Roses songs and always has time for little old talk as Jericho and the joke of the week. So thanks to everyone who came on the cruise last week. We had a great time, lots of awesome music, great matches. One of the greatest uh, live television shows you'll ever see on AEW Dynamite. Hilarious comedy, and of course, don't forget the great live podcast that you can only hear on the Jericho Cruise for the first time, but we're always going to play it for you here as well. It's a very special, special night uh, for all of us. Eddie Guerrero fans, if you knew him, if you loved him, if you uh, watched him wrestle, you're going to want to hear this one. The Gathering of the Guerreros right now on Talk is Jericho. All right, this is going to be a fun one. Um, It's the gathering of the Guerreros here. We're going to bring out Vicky Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, and Shaul Guerrero here tonight, today on the cruise. Look at them. Come on, Vicky. Come on. Look at that leg. (laughs) <laughs> as soon as you walked on, the wind hit it. It's like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> this is Eddie's daughter, Shawl. You guys know Chavo over here and, of course, Vicky. But <laughs> Chavo has a couple cocktails. He takes his shirt off sometimes. <laughs> He's been known to do that. Once, or twice. <laughs> Last year we had a great, uh, a great podcast, a great chat with um, TDP and Rey Mysterio and uh, Conan talking about Eddie Guerrero. Uh, obviously a great, great guy, one of our favorites. And I thought it'd be a lot of fun and maybe a little emotional to have uh, Eddie's uh, family here to, uh, to remember what a, a great and also very complex man Eddie Guerrero uh, was and is. Uh, it's been 15 years since he passed. Do you still miss him and think about him?
2: Gosh, uh, you know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about him or a song comes on or there's a place. Like, if I go to El Paso, that seems to hit pretty hard when I go over there. But, yeah, it's, you never you never forget. You never it's forget. funny
1: because I, I met your husband, Chris. Vicky's remarried, great guy. But when I first met him, I was almost like, all right, motherfucker.
2: I think we were all like that. You better what be you nice, got, man. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you should see my my daughter, Sherlyn. She gave him the third ride.
1: Out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shaw, you just made a great point. What was that like for you when your mom gets remarried?
3: It, it's definitely complex. Of of course, like first and foremost, I just wanted someone that was going to love my mom deeply and take care of her and have companionship with. And first of all, Chris is every single one of those things. So thank you, Chris, for loving my very complicated and loud mother.
2: EXCUSE ME! I
3: had to get one in. Big pop, big pop. Every goddamn day. (laughs) (laughs) But also, it was very complex, you know, because my dad was, we were so close, and, you know, it's dealing with, uh, like, Chris is not going to do things the way my dad did it, or he's just going to have different feelings
2: about different things, and...
4: So. he's not going to be absolutely insane
2: like your dad. <laughs> uh, he's a little a little
1: insane. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when he, when he passed away?:
2: I was 15.
1: So so that's, you're old enough to remember a lot of stuff about your dad, of course, obviously. Yeah. You've grown up to be, and your sister as well, beautiful young ladies. Uh, I Thank don't know if you. you've seen Shaw with the vaudettes on stage. You, I was thinking this last night. You're you're a performer. It's in your blood. Thank it's, you. It's, it's your family lineage. Um, what do you think uh would Eddie be be proud of you? Would he want you to put more clothes on?
3: <laughs> uh I think well, yes. I don't think he would want uh he would be like, What are you wearing? I don't think uh, no, I think I don't even think he'd let me out of the house. But I think he would be proud of me. Like I'm you know, I'm not my dad. I'm not going to perform like my dad, but I think he would be first no, of all.
4: Nobody was. <laughs> yeah, that's
3: true. yeah, exactly. But I think he would want me to be happy first and foremost, and do my absolute best in everything I've and everything I do. And I think he would be proud of that, I even agree. if I don't have very many clothes on.
1: <laughs> How about you, Vito? Uh, do you miss? Obviously, miss Eddie. What do you miss about him all these years later? Hey, so let's let's uh, let's get this out of the way real quick, guys. Eddie Eddie
4: Eddie 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 Eddie, Eddie,
1: Eddie, 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 Eddie,
4: Eddie, 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 Eddie. Hey, I wanna tell you this, I still get that chant every time I wrestle at an independent show or anything like that. I get an Eddie chant out there and it's beautiful, guys. So thank you very much. Don't ever forget Eddie Guerrero. There was never ever gonna be anybody else ever like him in the ring or out of the ring. Crazy or not as crazy, but yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. I had to get that out That's of the way. Great, but what do you
1: miss? What are you missing about him? All these years later. You know
4: what I miss about my my brother Eddie? Yes, he was my uncle, but we were we grew up three years apart from each other. So we grew up as 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 he was the big brother that I didn't have, and he, I was the little brother he didn't have. And we were both by our families. We were both the mistakes. So we both were not <laughs> supposed to be here. He was my grandfather Gorey's late mistake, and I was my father's Chavo classic, his soul. I was his early mistake. In fact, in fact, my dad used to call me the BRK, the Busted Rubber Kid. Oh my God! (laughs) I'm not kidding, and I just said this right now, so it's gonna be viral, and I know everybody will be walking. Hey, no more Chavo. Hey, Chavito, I lie, cheat, steal. Hey. BRK, oh,
2: no.
1: boom,
4: busted. <laughs> hey, you know what? I just love, I miss, love Eddie so much. I mean, I, I miss our, um, he was my go-to guy. That's what I miss about Eddie. He was my go-to guy. He was the guy that I would call, because it's the relationship that I had with my dad, and I love him to death, but he wasn't that guy for me to call and, and ask for advice on life, and, and Eddie was. Eddie was my guy that I just called, and uh, you know, it just it just gave me like heartfelt advice, like what he felt. The guy was so blessed; he was had such the spirit of the Holy Spirit inside of him. And not to get all religious, but that guy was—he was just different, man. He had, uh, for all of his flaws, man, he had just something super special about him. Something you're know, looking over him all the time, and just the the uh advice that he would give me on in the ring and out of the ring with marriage and how you treat people and different stuff like that dude. that's what i miss the most
2: and y'all fought like brothers i mean we fought like brothers and loved
4: like brothers but we did i've never there was never one time that we ever struck each other because the love was too much but there were times that we were face to face and it was like you go you go you jump eddie uh you feeling froggy? froggy? You feeling oh, froggy? Yeah. Well, then jump.
1: Yeah. I'm you, like, uh-oh. I never heard, never, that never heard that before, homeboy. Come on, really? That's all you got? But I hadn't heard that before. One time he goes, "You feeling froggy?" I'm like, "I don't know. What does that mean?" You want to jump? I said, "That's terrible." So jump. <laughs> Didn't Eddie almost uh, try and kill you when you were a baby? Yeah, yeah. So what? Eddie was
4: Eddie was the baby of the family, right? He was 18 years younger than my dad, Chavo Classic he was the baby of the family and getting all the attention and then three years later i come around so eddie wasn't getting the attention that i was getting now now it's, oh my god he's so cute you know i was a super good looking baby but so, yeah so so uh, eddie grabbed the telephone cord he, they didn't they, they didn't see us for a minute my mom walked into the, uh, the the bedroom some bedroom at a party and Eddie had the telephone cord wrapped around my neck and was like pulling like Holy literally like, like this and I was turning all like you know red or blue or whatever <laughs> I was my mother had a like what the hell? what are you doing and then Eddie got done kind of just walked away like
3: that was how he walked
4: yeah, that was yeah, how yeah. he even, walked. That, even back then when he was a little kid he walked like
3: this But <laughs> <laughs> we love hard and fight hard even when I was a kid you know when you were like what does this mean feeling froggy what does this mean he would be like are you working me girl and I would be like what <laughs> are you working me he, he told that to me when I would when I would be like talking it, he'd be like are you working me girl I'd be like I don't understand what that means. (laughs) Until I got in the wrestling business, I was like, oh. (laughs) I get it now.
1: What kind of a dad was Eddie for you, Shaw?
3: I had two different dads. Um, uh, Before dad uh, got off the drugs and alcohol, um, if I'm being very honest, he was a scary dad. He was very scary, very unpredictable. he was really hard on me uh, and I know it, it came from a place of love. He was doing his best just like we're all trying to do our best with our situation, uh, but he was really scary, um, especially, you know, just as a kid witnessing what mom went through with dad. and. Uh, I'm not going to get emotional, but it was a scary house to live in. I'll just say that. Uh, Vic,
1: Vicky, you have a great relationship with my wife, Jessica, and you guys are very similar in that you guys held your family together. If it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be here. Uh, and if it wasn't for you holding your family together, and when Shaw says these things, because we all talk about the great Eddie but there was the dark side to him we all saw it we were all there how was that for you holding your family together when you have this guy that you love but he's completely off his rocker where his girls are scared of him
2: yeah um I'm writing my book right now and I'm talking about I'm writing about life with Eddie cheap plug (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll read it I'll buy it um you know it's really hard because back in those days there's a lot of parting going on and it was always accepted you know it was it was the the thing to do As the guys got hurt instead of missing work you took pills and so to me I thought it was the norm at first I thought everything's okay he's just trying to cover up you know his injuries but then I started seeing that I was driving him everywhere. I was picking him up because he couldn't function. I mean, what y'all saw in the ring, he would turn on his lights on the ring. When he stepped in that ring, he was—he loved what he did. But coming home, um, it, it was a mess. I mean, it was two sides of Eddie. There was the Eddie that was, he didn't like the drugs, but the drugs liked him and he fought that all the time. So it was very, and Chavito saw a lot of what we went through and I hid a lot from the girls, so when it was a bad night, the the girls knew when it was a bad night, and whenever it was a good day, we all enjoyed watching TV or, you know, enjoying Eddie's time, but when it was a bad day, we left Eddie alone. You kept us together.
3: Yeah, You, you 100%, and I love Dad, and God rest his soul 100%, but if it wasn't for my mom being so strong every day at 3 o'clock in the morning, comforting us, and being like, it's okay, Dad's just dad's just whatever and like what she she kept us going so
1: did just you saying ever that. uh bring a date home or a boyfriend home or anything like that weird
3: thing so when dad when That's i share okay uh no but like when when i was fit around 15 and i had you know dad number two and dad was super healthy we talked about everything he was my spiritual advisor he was you know, my, my hug and, you know, we had to work through that a lot to, to get to that point. Um, actually, he was great. Mom was bad.
1: Oh.
3: <laughs> Mom was threatened. I came home one day and, like, I just had my, my first kiss in middle school. And instead of being, like, super excited, like how you should be, I was like, oh, shit oh shit because I can't lie I actually can't lie I'm sorry dad I can't um, and like and I was coming home like oh my god I'm gonna get my ass beat I'm gonna get my ass beat by my dad and I actually come up to him and, and he's in his little you know those little video game chairs like those little rockers on the floor yeah. he's there playing his Madden and I was like dad I need to talk to you and he, like, and he was like what's up I was like no like I need to talk to you and I was like I had my first kiss and he put the video game down, which is already like, oh, shit.
4: <laughs> he put it down,
3: and he looked at me, and he was like, did he touch you anywhere? <laughs> and I was like, no, sir. And then he was just like, okay. And then I was completely like, oh, wow, that's new. That's new. And then mom found out. She was like, oh, my God, I cannot. Like, you were just like, you, it's like I don't even know if you wanted to let me have a boyfriend. She's too young. She's too young, but... Uh, he he was full of surprises most definitely
4: do you have this guy's name because I, I'm gonna go find him right now and I'm gonna beat <laughs> his oh, <God>. ass <laughs> I'm
3: Chavo. married now it's fine it's fine Chavo
1: how was that for you um, as the uncle of these girls and you know obviously Vicky close to you would you ever tell Eddie like Back off or would he ever would you talk to him about that sort of stuff you know it's funny
4: you guys you, you bring that up I'm actually kind of going through that like actually right now in my in my life because we I'm just realizing that we're um, a product of our environment a product for what we grew up in and the way Eddie grew up and the way I grew up I mean the father figures in that family ruled with an iron fist. These guys were the toughest guys around, period, over and out. There was nobody tougher than Gory Guerrero. I don't care who you are. You know, Chavo Classic was pretty tough, too. So we grew up in this environment that we emulated, even though we didn't want to, and we did. And I'm, I'm, like, seriously, like, right now, realizing my flaws of what I, um, you know, what I, you know, just what you, the tyrant that you become. And you don't want to be that guy. You're doing it out of love, and there's nothing more important to Eddie or to myself because I know, and he talked about you all the time, was his family, his wife, and his kids. But we become this guy that's like the guy that we don't want to become. We become our dads, and unfortunately, it just it, it sucks, and we have to like break out of that. You guys all got to break out of that, but like for real, you know. And it's like, yeah, yeah. and and, it's, and to the to the wives out there of wrestlers we got the easy we got the easy job we got the job of going out and being a celebrity and and you know uh wrestling and traveling the world and i'm not saying that it's easy but yeah it's but it's easy i mean it's like it's we're on cruise control we just go do it and get in the ring and work hard and do whatever we want and these women let i mean my wife's over there somewhere sherry i love you love you babe hey you did it girl we're only together now is because of her. Yeah, Sherry.
1: Sherry. 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 Sherry.
4: But it's <laughs> it's all about you know what, and that's, and I, I just had to get that out because man, it's without the the women in the Guerrero family, but in wrestling, those those women they make everything work. They make it all work because if it was up to us, that would have been divorced. Six months after I got married <laughs> yeah. and, you know, married 18 different times.
2: Right. You know, also the women are the ones that had to discipline, you know, That's clean right. the house, you know, wash the clothes. The guys got to come home and the kids got the best side of Eddie and, and, the, and the husbands because, oh, dad comes home from an uh, overseas ship. There's toys and stuff for them. I'm like, why? They don't deserve it because they just got in trouble and I'm ready for Eddie to come home because I'm like, take them. I don't know. I thought
1: I deserved it. I thought I was pretty good. (laughs) But you're so true. We have that in our house too. Jess calls it mean mommy. You come home and I have to be mean mommy because you're the good guy. But that's the other side of it, right?
2: And Eddie's mom is the one who sat me down many times. And In fact, in the living room, we'd watch the guys train and she's like, if you're going to marry my son, you're going to be alone for... 90% 90% of your time, and you have to do everything. You have to be the mom, the dad, the discipline, the the planner, everything. And I was like, I'm fine. I can handle that. Right. It's fine. Well, that was before kids. Now, especially after Eddie passed away, you know, and all her advice keeps coming back to me, and I'm just like, man, she knew her shit. Right.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to me. I want to ask about that because you came into a wrestling family. Where did you meet Eddie, and how was it kind of becoming uh, part of the Guerrero family?
4: Tell us,
2: Mom, how you met Dad. So my best friend knew Eddie's best friend, uh, and so we went out, and I told my best friend, I said, look, we're going to go to a nightclub because if he's a loser or I don't like him, we can just go, go somewhere else and um i I didn't have any wrestling i didn't like wrestling because i was a cheerleader i was the oldest of four brothers so i was into the football team and everything and you know cheerleading and gymnastics um so i eddie was late he's like two hours late i'm like you know what i'm gonna let's just go ahead and go well we're dancing and then my friend tina came up and she goes this is eddie and she is like this is Eddie. Like she, she thought he was hot. And I look at him and he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, fine. I'm going to go walk around. Fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was, but then I was like, oh, my gosh, because <laughs> what, the high school I went to, it was very clean cut. The guys had their haircuts above their ears, uh, had to wear collar shirts. Eddie came in and I, I went to school at Cowboys. When Eddie came in, he had the long hair the big muscles the tight jeans and the cowboy boots and I was like I'll wait for him to come right back around
4: (laughs) and she was in she was into guys with uh, that were that hunched over with (laughs) with a shitty mustache (laughs) 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 with a mullet a full on mullet and like like guys that, like we're yes. in a rush or something she was into, like, into that yes. tahano jeans oh the tahano <laughs> jeans She oh, with the belt and elastic
2: <laughs> <laughs> no so um my curfew was at one o'clock in the morning and uh we danced and we hit it up and he actually kissed me during the bengal song a walk like an egyptian Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh it was probably like 12 o'clock and tina's like I lived an hour away from El Paso, and I was like, I need to get home. And so when, uh, to she, like at the time, she's like, you're going to miss your curfew. I had the car, and um, I, I missed it. I mean, we talked outside for like three hours. And back then, you didn't have cell phones. It was all landlines. So I said, you know what? This is worth taking my car away. This is worth everything <laughs> because I was liking them a lot. Get home. Nobody's up. And I was like, sweet. No one heard me come in. And the next morning, my mom goes, Oh, so how was your night? I'm like, Fine. And uh, she goes, uh, You know, who, what happened? I said, Oh, I met this really cute guy. His name was Eddie Guerrero. She goes, Oh, I know the family.
4: (laughs) I was like, They're crazy.
2: (laughs) I said, I go, The wrestler, the wrestler Eddie Guerrero. She's like, Yeah. Um, Eddie, my grandfather used to make Eddie's dad's uh, boots and robes in a leather store in El Paso. Really? And when we were two years old, Eddie and I played in the playpen while his dad came and got his stuff tried on. No kidding. Awkward.
1: <laughs> that's that's really, That's funny. I'm
2: sure we're doing more than playing in the playpen. <laughs> hey,
1: touch touch me here. <laughs>
0: Guaranteed.
1: Chavo, did you ever know Gory? Had you passed away? Or he had passed away before you knew him. My grandfather? Yeah. No,
4: absolutely. I told. He didn't pass away till I was um, seventeen, maybe. Oh, Okay, so you knew him. Oh, absolutely. Tell us, tell Deliber- us that I want to hear us. Vicky too. Tell us about Gory Guerrero. So, hey, first of all, where are my LWO boys at? I tell him I was going to say, hey, what up, guys? And then everybody up there, yes, it just kicked in. so my grandfather lived with us when my when my father uh, when we started we went from El Paso my 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 father Chavo Classic he was just Chavo he was just Chavo back then there was no senior he was just there so he went wrestling and he started wrestling at the Olympic Auditorium for Mike LaBelle in like 1975 and originally we were going to move for six months to LA to LA from El Paso to L.A. And that six months turned into, you know, 40 years. Right. But um, he started wrestling there. and We were in an apartment, and my grandfather came down and lived with us for a year in that apartment. He just slept on the couch.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
4: so that. So I really, I mean, I was, was six, like? years old. He was, a, he, to us, he was excellent. My grandfather was the nicest guy, just, just just like, loving. I, I loved him to death, but, I, but then... I knew there was a, a weird side to him because, not weird, but like a tough side. Because one time we were watching TV and somebody on TV got stabbed. And I went, I got, oh, man, that must really hurt. And my grandfather looked at me and goes, no, it doesn't hurt very much. What? And I was like, what? And he's like, oh, I've been stabbed like seven times. One here, one here. One here. And I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> who like, <are> what? <laughs> like, this is just my grandfather, gory, you know. Yeah. But Demasi was great. Uh... My father was the oldest boy, was definitely f- super hard on him, probably momed a little less, a little less with, with uh, Hector, and then less with Linda, and then less with Eddie. But I did see him, you know, be very, r- rule the iron ha- iron ha- fist, I-, I guess, Eddie, a couple uh, different times, for sure. Where I'd stand up for Eddie, like, stop, stop, don't, don't do that. But, um, so... I mean, I, I, he was, he was tough, man. He, hey, he came from a real rough childhood himself, but that guy was, they said the toughest guy in the man in Mexico. No there's a Mexico. great
1: picture that I saw, maybe at Linda's house, at, uh, at, at your grandma's house, right? And you know which one it is, where Gory's in a bridge, with all the kids,
2: balance on his body, on a, Yeah, they're standing on a door.
1: Yeah, he's on a bridge with the door on his stomach, and all four or five of the kids. Are, no, there's like, no, there was. Her, it was cook, the, Cookie, uh, the daughter, my Linda. dad, uh,
4: Mondo, Hector, uh, um, Linda, and then Eddie was a baby in my grandmother's arms, and they were all standing on my grandfather. He was in the bridge, <laughs> and they all yeah. were standing on him, and it was like the Christmas card. Hey, hey, don't f- with us.
2: It's <laughs> not that, baby. <laughs>
1: How was that for you, Vicky, when you first met the family? Were they gracious to you off the start?
2: yeah i mean this family was so loving and i even started going to church just to see eddie uh, before he would go wrestle on sundays and what is um and just to because he was busy i was working and this family was so gracious and his mom was so loving and it's just it's i mean it was just a lot of, the brothers are I mean, there was all it was just a regular family there was fighting there was loving and then they fight again and then you love but um i i they're just, it was incredible, I mean, it was a good upbringing, you yeah. know, to get to know the. You respected, I respected the wrestling business because I knew nothing about it, but watching the family operate the Coliseum in El Paso and seeing how the family worked together and started learning about the business, they were very close when it came to that.
1: Shaul, when you grew up, did you know like that Eddie Guerrero was Eddie Guerrero? Did you know how good he was?
3: I, I always, like, respected my dad's work because whenever he would take us to the back, um, whether it was a live event or TV, he'd be like, you don't breathe? You don't talk unless you're spoken to? <laughs> like, very, like, just, like, don't fuck up. <laughs> right, like, right, and I'm right. like, five. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, but I honestly didn't know he was, like, Eddie Guerrero right. until I got in the business, and I was starting to understand from my first bump, like, oh, shit this kind of sucks but it's kind of amazing right now and then when I really studied him when I was working and really like actually having conversations about how hard this business is and finding out for myself it was like It was a huge awakening for me, Mm. and um, I'm just extremely humbled that I even got to do it at all. And you know, I wish every day I could have had a conversation with Dad about everything I went through with FCW and NXT and everything like that. But um, yes, so that was huge. But I mean, I he's. He's just a different person to me than than what you guys got to see um, every week. And he gave everything to you guys every single week. Um, But, like, yeah, I just knew a completely different dude, um, for sure. Uh, Speaking of, like, how we fight hard and love hard and our family has discipline on lock, uh, my favorite story about my dad, if you don't mind me sharing it, um, I just want to talk about what a great disciplinarian my father is. So, I'm in middle school, like around uh, 14, and I went to a school dance and my best friend taught me how to grind. Do you you guys know
4: what that is? (laughs) Yes, I've seen your act. I don't exactly (laughs) what it is (laughs) now. Touché. Touché. All right, touché. Um,
3: So, the next day I was at dance practice and some mother that was chaperoning at the dance Saw how great of a grinder I was and decided to tell my father and mother. And like, we're, we're leaving practice and he's silent, like, bad silent. And I was like, What's going on? And Sherilyn looks at me like, You're. F-.
2: <laughs> and I was like, Oh shit. But I didn't know I didn't do anything wrong. But when dad was quiet, shit was going on. We knew it was gonna, something was going on. It was
3: bad. Anyway. Fast forward, we get home. Complete car ride is silent, and he was like, "What's grinding, Shawl?" I don't know what it is. After afterward, finding out my dad's life outside of re- uh, wrestling, like the party hard, I was like, "He f-
4: knew." You're like, you're like, it grinding is when you get the tortilla and you get the and you're rubbing, you're grinding it, you make the flour tortilla. That, that should have been my
3: answer, like, "Oh, Dad, it's, yeah." But um, he played dumb, and he was like, "Show me."
1: what grinding was
3: and then my heart dropped in my stomach and i was like oh shit and he i was like i can't do that and he like put his leg out he was like show me and i was like i can't do it i'm in tears like you know like those tears where you're like (laughs) (laughs) and and he was like fine he sat my mother down in front of me on a chair and I gave my mother. It's Vicky show me. And I, well, he made me grind on my mom. <laughs> yes, I gave my mother. Uh, I'm sure, dance. like a lap dance, and and I'm
1: crying
3: the entire time. <laughs> Here I am. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. but I'll tell you what I did not grind again until I was in college like junior year
2: okay so uh,
3: he was a fabulous disciplinarian because that shit stuck
2: I just thought of him yelling and his heart was broken because you know he loved the girls but to hear how he was punishing Shaw like the yelling was like he put me and Cheryl in another room like he goes y'all stay here (laughs) <laughs> so I knew it was pretty bad. It wasn't
3: the most fun night I've had, <laughs> but so, it was really funny. Like it's my—that's yeah. my party story.
4: I, uh, show me how you grind. Show me how she's like. No, no, show
1: it for real. Okay, okay.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, there's a story I, I should probably not tell this, but I'll tell it. Tell it.
2: Okay. <laughs> there's a lot of stories we can. Yeah, yeah, tell.
1: yeah. It's actually not too bad. So we were in Mexico. We used to stay at the Plaza Madrid. You were there. I think, actually, I don't think I met you because you used to come and stay, but we never crossed paths. Yeah. So we used to hang out with Black Cat was his name, Victor Mar. He was a, a great, great guy. He was uh, a Japan, half Japanese, half Chinese. Uh, met, no, half Ch- half Japanese, half Mexican, and he was worked for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he was like the liaison for the foreign guys, so really tight with me and Eddie and Dean and Benoit and all the guys. So... Kat was in Mexico, and me and Eddie and Kat were hanging out. And drank way too much mezcal. It's not even tequila, it's mezcal. It smells like an ashtray. It was just vile, terrible stuff. Drank way too much, completely out of control. It's one of those ones where you wake up in your room, you don't know how you got there. So the phone rings, and it's Eddie. Come to my room. What? Come to my room, motherfucker. Okay, are you all right? Just come to my room. I go to the room. He takes his sheets back. He goes, look at this. There's poop in the bed. He goes, look at this. I go, oh, dude. He goes, you know what happened? I go, what? He goes, Black Cat screwed me in the ass. I said, what? He goes, Black Cat screwed me in the ass. I said, what? He goes, I got so drunk I passed out and there's poop in the bed. He must have done that. I said, dude, no. He goes, call Black Cat right now. Hey, Cat, Eddie wants to talk to you. He thinks you screwed him in the ass. He's like, what? Because he passed out in the bed like an hour. We stayed there talking. So Cat comes to the room, and Cat was super calm, and Eddie was furious. He's convinced that black Cat suddenly turned gay and decided to just poke Eddie in the rear end. And I was like, why would you even think that? He's like, that's what happened. I said, that doesn't even happen. That doesn't happen. So we had to sit him down, and it's like, dude, you just basically shit the bed because you're too drunk. It took an hour to calm him down because he was convinced he had been anally-probed by Black Cat, who was married with five kids or whatever. But that was Eddie, like you said, when he gets something in his head, he turns psycho on you, right? Yep, he sure Chavo, does. tell us about some of those times. The, 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 the Uncle, uh, Uncle Eddie is my favorite wrestler.
4: I could just imagine that right now. Eddie going, you can see hey, it, man what's wrong eddie hey <laughs> i think i think black
1: cat fucked me in the ass <laughs> what? what are you laughing at what? how can i not laugh hey what are you talking about
4: <laughs> one time so eddie would like we would we would mess with each other all the time and kind of rib each other just by ju- like like messing like jokes and stuff all the time so he'd call me hey five head because i got a bigger forehead. <laughs> so, my my hair starts a little bit further back. So he was like, Hey, five head. And I was like, Oh yeah, like instead of four head, five head, yeah f- funny. Oh good. So I so i say so Eddie had big eyebrows. Like kind of big his eyebrows or like the, the muscle the, the bone around the eyebrow was kinda bigger. So I'd call him easy Cro Magnum.
1: Oh. <laughs> <'Cause he's like,
4: laughs> so he was like, hey, five head, hey Cro Magnum. <laughs> this went on for years. This went on for probably uh, eight years, maybe longer. So one time we were working, I don't know, somewhere, and he goes, hey, five head. And I said, hey, yeah, core magnum, core magnum. And he goes, hey, man. What does Cro-Magnum mean? And I go, Cro-Magnum, like, like, um, you know, like you're a Neanderthal. you know, you're like." And he goes, hey, fuck you, man. And I go, wait a minute. For eight years, I've been calling you Cro-Magnum, and you don't know what it meant? I didn't know what it meant, man. I just laughed every time. I thought it was a loving term of endearment this entire time. This, But that's that was Eddie. Eddie, one time, Turi, his, his, his best friend, Arturo, Turi, had a secondhand like bread shop, you know, like it was like a liquor store at night, you know, so after the club, they'd always go out to, you know, they'd get done with the club or, you know, whatever, the little banda club, like, ning, 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 ning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it totally, right? The oompa, oompa, oompa music, whatever. So they'd go, they they go to his, to Thudy's liquor store. So Tootie's liquor store had, you know, you know, the beer, they'd drink the beers and they'd be, you know, they eat like, you know, Twinkies and shit, all this different stuff, right? So then, one time, duty calls. Eddie he goes, "Hey, man, I need your help. You gotta, uh, you gotta, uh, you gotta help me just do some work at, at, at the shop." So Eddie goes, "All right, cool." So it was a day-old bread shop. So that means everything was expired. But you know, it's 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 Twinkies don't ever really expire, <laughs> right? So so they would. He would. Uh, duty would take. Yeah, he would spray on, on the expiration date. He'd spray, like, spray some hairspray. And then wipe off the expiration date. It just worked. So Eddie's like, "All right, cool." So Eddie's helping them out. They're all doing it together. Like, yeah, they're laughing. Off you know, at the club, they had a couple of beers. They're doing this. Eddie's like, "Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, yeah." No one actually knows, man. We're we're giving these guys like, like this old expired Twinkies, and everybody's cool with it. Yeah, that's funny. Like, we're getting one over on people. And then he's like, "Hey, wait a minute. I eat this shit." <laughs> Like, every night I'm here drinking and eating this stuff. You're making me eat this deal, <laughs> Anyways, that was Eddie. Eddie. Eddie,
2: Eddie, 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 There was also another funny story that I had said at the, um, when I inducted Eddie into the Hall of Fame for yeah. WWE. Yeah, uh, Eddie was very competitive. I mean, he always... Cheated to win. I mean, literally, he took his gimmick from home to the ring. Yeah, he would cheat during Monopoly playing with me. Yeah, oh, that's right. Well, what the hell? So you, you, you can tell that story, but so we lived in, after me and Eddie got back together, we had got an apartment, and um, we were, uh, the kids were having squirt gun fights. And so some of the kids didn't have squirt guns, so Eddie's like, I'm gonna come back, I'll be back, but kids don't leave. So we we're just like hanging out. So uh, he went and bought all these small squirt guns for the kids. Well, Eddie went and got this super duper like super soaker, Super yeah, soaker. Like Heavy huge. Duty. And so he got all the kids. he he filled up his gun at the store. So he was ready. And he had all the kids um, open their squirt guns when he got there so they couldn't defend themselves. And so he always had to win and these kids were soaked but that was eddie he wanted everybody to have fun he wanted everybody to lose and that was a good day for eddie No, dad
3: was, um, da- dad was definitely a prankster and a jokester, and he was really funny, especially when, when he was well, he was a completely different person. Um, but I wanted to share, like, it's more of a sentimental story, but he just had the biggest heart. And I'm sure, you know, like, Vito, you know, he like, you guys, he would give the shirt off his back yeah, to you. And, yeah. like, I remember one day, I'm coming home, and a boy broke my heart on Valentine's Day.
4: Aww. Ooh.
3: God, I wish he would be here now I'd be like, damn I-
4: What his name is and we'll all we'll troll him on social media
3: Oh no! M- mom taught me to be a classy lady. So I will. But no, he broke my heart on Valentine's Day, and I came home crying. And I'm, you know, crying to mom, and like dad doesn't know what to say at all because he's just like, this is awkward. But he actually went out and got me like a huge bouquet of roses, and he got me like just all the Valentine's like paraphernalia that he could. And he was just like, I know your heart's broken, but I'll like, here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, better like um, but yeah that was dad he was just so generous and so full of love even when he was crazy his heart really truly was in the right place
1: Um, but Eddie that um, he was very good at reading reading I'll I'll talk for myself reading me as a person because we traveled together quite a bit and when I was in WCW for a while I was just in a in a tough spot because I was a a baby face but I wasn't over it's before I turned heel. You're losing all the time. And we had a match. Remember we used to do those uh, worldwide tapings in Orlando. We would right. go right? basically absolutely insane for two weeks, drink every night till 6 in the morning, then go wrestle three or four matches during the day. And one of the matches I had with Eddie, and we uh, were the last match of the day, and, and he was going over. I remember and, this match. Uh, do you remember this? Yeah. I and, remember. Uh, and and I, was just, I was just bummed out, you know. And Eddie was always great with me in the ring as he was He was bummed everybody. out because he had to do a job. He yeah, was all dude, like, I did, yeah, do a job, didn't But doing a job for everybody in my, even in my life was a big giant job at the time to me. But um, I remember I, I chopped him and he said, again, and I chopped him. He goes harder. And dude, he had me chop him because he always called the match probably 10 times and I was whacking him as hard as I could. Whack! Whack! And he's like, he's not fighting back. He's the heel. But I would hit him as hard as I could and afterwards I said, we, of course, he led me to a great match. And after I said, why did you have me chop you so much? He said, because you needed it. I said, what do you mean? He said, you needed to get that aggression out. And I said, but I don't, I'm not angry at you. He said, I know, but you needed it. You, you, needed, you needed to beat somebody up. And, and, and I'm the guy to do it with. And I just remember thinking, like, yeah. Yeah, I, hey. You, you know? I, that you know, sixth sense. He had a sixth sense about him, Yeah. Right? It, 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 just a fish. It, it, it makes me almost cry right now to remember that like just the guy who's like I know my friend needs something so I'll give him just something little and I still remember how many thousands of matches that we had I still remember that you know I told you yeah. he was the same for you yeah no for sure but he had a
4: um, that was pretty like mind blowing and right I was like wow. <sighs> but Eddie um, had um, he had like a sixth sense and I, I'm I don't know if you all see it because we saw it but we never really talked about it but so Enough times to where, like, when anyone, like, we would be driving and he'd be like, man, I don't I don't feel, something's wrong, something's not going right. And then we'd, like, get a flat tire, boom, and make like, squirters, like, like, like really? oh, yeah. And, I mean, enough so to where when anytime he said, hey, um, I don't, something's weird, something doesn't feel where I would sit and listen, like, what? What do you mean? And the night that, you know, the last night that I was with him, and not to get too much into that at all, but he, uh, he... Um, called me, he goes, hey man, can you um, I've told this on your podcast before that's the Jericho podcast by the way, I talk to Jericho <laughs> no, no, but really guys he, he, he goes um, hey man, he calls me and he goes can I talk to you? I said, yeah, yeah hold on a second Let me, I've, got to go direct, I've got to run downstairs to the lobby and go get something, but I'll, I'll be right back up, so then I called him right afterwards and said, hey, we're you in what's up? and he goes no, it's okay, man. It's cool. And I said, no, no, no. C- come up. No problem. And he goes, no, you know what? It's okay. No, I- I'm good. I goes, okay, I'll see you in the morning. And that's the last time we spoke. Wow. But he had a six... I wonder what he was going to tell me. That yeah. six cents. He had something that he was going to tell me enough to where he goes, hey, I need to talk to you.
1: It was weird. I uh, I had a dream after Art Barr passed away. Right. Who was uh, obviously Eddie's partner in Mexico. And another very complex guy, but just a great guy off his rocker as we all were but i had a dream that uh that art came to me and said i'm okay tell eddie that i'm okay i told wow. eddie and wow. he said i had the same dream no way i had the same dream that art came and said i'm okay wow i don't know if i don't remember if it was the same night but i remember i called him it was like around christmas time yeah in 1994 after art passed away to tell me said i had the same dream wow you know some Clairvoyant type stuff. Yeah, there, right? no. Yeah. Well, like I have eight. a story
3: about that, too, and it's really weird I don't know if dad passed anything like that on to me, but um, Well, I know that because it drives my husband crazy like <laughs> are you okay? I'll tell us are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Whatever. I'm like, you're not okay, and he was like, I'm fine two hours later like <laughs> the the spill of the emotions, well, yeah. but regarding my dad so we're used to it like our all of our families are used to it when you're in the wrestling business like oh dad's going again on his trip whatever you know what i mean like hug bye see you later so see you later um the day that he went on the loop where he passed away i was really really upset he was leaving like really upset sorry and um I gave him the longest hug and I cried. Like, I don't know why. Like, I was just crying and, like, I'm, like, I'm really gonna miss you. and... You,
2: but, you know, usually when we dropped Eddie off. It was so routine, just like we do. We yeah, like, we'll how all drive weird. to the airport. You know, we, you know, I'll say bye. Okay, bye. He'd be like, high five in the kids. Bye. And then, Hey, we drive off and that's it. For some reason, that morning, or it was just uh, something was different. He just stayed a little longer <laughs> with us, and we. After the fact, when he passed away, we're like, "Oh my gosh! Like, was this something that, was this what was going on?" And another thing to that was that um, that morning that he passed away, I got a phone call at five thirty in the morning, and it was Eddie. But usually, he would just call, and he would. Um, just wait like, for me, you know, to call him back whenever I would wake up. And for some reason, I heard it, and I was just like, "No, I'll just call him back later when I wake up." And I, I hate myself every day because if I answered it, I would have heard from him. And that's something you just never know. Like you never right. know what, what God has in store for you that's that right.
3: day. Yeah. You know, what, so, go ahead, wow. Just tell your families you love them every day. Yeah. Like tell your loved ones, like don't wait, like let him know, you know, even if it's just a phone call, like, my husband makes fun of me, because he's like, you understand, you told your mom, like, five times you loved her in one conversation about chips. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, yeah, like, that shit changes you Yeah, when you lose someone like that. I felt
1: too, like, um, Eddie, towards the the last part of his life, uh, he's got really spiritual, right? Like, uh, maybe he had some premonition, I don't know, but this is so rare. And we just started doing group prayers in AEW again. We used to do it all the time with Eddie. It had to be group prayer. But uh, sorry. But my point is, my point is, Eddie would have Bible studies in the locker room, which in a wrestling locker room is a very strange thing because it's not the most Christian of environments. <laughs> but uh, but he would never push it on anybody. But people would go to Eddie. I remember Big Show one time was in the back. And Eddie had, had his Bible and was reading some stuff. And after this, I said, what's up? He said, oh, I was having some problems. And I just told Eddie. And he said, I got something to read for you. Actually, you gave me his Bible for a while. You let me you let me borrow it for a bit, which meant a lot to me. But um, he would do that. Like, Who would do that? And also, who would have the trust to go to Eddie, go to a guy in a wrestling environment where it's, oh, you're going to be a Bible guy? He... he people went to him for advice about yeah. god he
4: led by example he really did and that's did. you know you people preach and you know whatever buy my buy my product or you know follow my god or whatever they'll, they'll preach 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 to you but the guys that really get to you are the ones that lead by example what gets you to ask like hey what are you doing like right. why great point what is working like for you you like you know and then that that was kind of it was eddie eddie was one of those guys that everybody knew what he was about but knew that it was about him and not, and you know he just had love for everybody and then people would come to him for advice and for advice about life, about God, about family, about everything. Yeah,
1: he, he was he was also too, as we know, super humble and very hard on himself.
2: Yeah. Very hard oh on my self. god. So hard
1: on you him know, himself. You know, like I remember when he when he was the world champion, if the business was down like if they went to a town and they did 3,000 people and the next time they went and it was 2,500 people he would take it on him it's personal, yeah. it was his fault and I was like dude it's business he's like no this is on me and if he was a baby face and one person said you suck he would lose it if one, if he was a heel and one person said, we love you, Eddie, he would lose it so, so hard on himself.
4: Well, yeah, that's why we all love being heels better because when we're good guys, we got you guys, you know, cheering us, but there's always those few people that like, you suck. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're supposed to like me. And then all of a sudden we're the heels and then everybody hates us except for a couple of people going, yeah, you're good. And I'm like, dude, I don't need your help. <laughs> I Tell your it. mom I want my underwear back. You know, I don't need anything. With that. That's the best part, being yeah. the heel. But that was why Eddie loved being a heel because it was so much easier for everybody that he lit, to hate him as opposed to having everybody love him except for, like, three people, like, yeah. not like him. He would take it super personal.
2: Well, even after he'd have a, the best matches, he would call me up and he'd be like, man, tonight sucked, like, it was horrible. And I'd watch it on TV and I'm like, I thought it was pretty incredible like people were right. cheering and he was so hard that it wasn't until like maybe like 2 or 3 2 or 3 days later that he'd be like I guess it was okay and I'm like oh yeah. my god And we look
4: but- back at those matches now right and say wow they were like, amazing these are matches that weren't you know he'd come out or we're all the hardest on ourselves for sure but you know he'd come out and be like like oh man that messed up oh, I shouldn't have done this shit. and you look at that match now and it's like stands the test of time
3: well Sherilyn and I knew when dad was watching his matches back at home be like oh shit don't go in the living room
2: <laughs> like
3: cause he was usually like real hard on himself yeah. and he you know he just had a mood on him and we were just yeah, like just yeah. leave him for an hour give him, him a minute
4: right, Ed- right. Eddie, Eddie in life we always say it was kind of like you know like Err. You know, like Eddie was just going through life, always like, "Hey, what's, hey guys, what's going on?" But when it came to wrestling, he was like a, he was a genius. And he wasn't always right all the time. He wasn't always, it wasn't always clicking for him. But when it clicked, dude, it clicked so freaking good, right? When when he
1: clicked, when he, um, when he was in that zone, there was nobody better. When he came to WWE with Benoit and Dean and Perry Saturn and Eddie came as the. um, Radicals. The Radicals, yeah. Uh, About two weeks in, I was talking to Brian Gewertz, who was the head writer at the time. And he said, uh, we were talking about about Benoit. We'll work with Benoit, we'll do this. And he's like, we're going to have you do something with Eddie. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And he's like, no, Vince says Eddie's the one. Because at the time, this is pre-Latino heat. Eddie did not have that personality yet. But Vince saw it two weeks in. He said, Eddie's the star. I said, Eddie? Over, Over Benoit? Over Perry? Over Dean, Eddie's the star, and look what he turned into, you know. Because he, yeah, this is something I use this as an example to some people sometimes. Eddie got fired from the WWE. Right. He passed out in the locker room.
2: Many times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 ironically, he passed out in the locker room in Minneapolis at the Target Center. Yeah. Jim Ross had to let him go, and he went and worked his way up through the system to prove himself. I told somebody recently that's having problems, go out and work for three or four months. Don't fuck up, don't get loaded, and people will start getting the reputation that you're doing good. Eddie did that, my dad's right over there. My dad went and saw Eddie at some convention center in Winnipeg, Manitoba at an independent show because he wanted to prove himself. When he came back from that, that's When Latino Heat was born, he was so good when he came back. He came back, and he was, I mean, he was so in shape, he,
4: he looked like his action figure. That's that's how in shape he was. And he was just like just firing on all cylinders and just going like you could see this rebirth of in him, man. It was it was amazing, Even not just when, in his yeah. life, but like in, in the ring for sure. But his life, it was like a fire in him.
2: Remember when he had his cheat meals? I mean, he used to love them. like cheesecake and all the junk food he could eat, but when he was dieting. If you gave him a piece of brownie or a piece of dessert, it was like minuscule. He's Ricky, like, there, there's a piece of egg yolk in that egg. I know. There's oh, butter two, the chicken. There's only butter two two chicken. Only two
4: seconds of the Pam spray on the, uh, oh <laughs> on the pan. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he
2: was Freaking so. Freaking Pam spray. Man. When he got
4: All super, uh,
1: remember he got super cut up? I remember he worked with Mysterio and one of the he was so cut up. Yeah. He was. What he would do, uh, he would go on the bike, uh, cardio like 45 minutes a day. Work out for like you know 30 minutes a day and then go do a 30 minute match in the house show he would literally walk like this oh yeah said, eddie you need some carbs no i'll just have another salad bro a salad isn't gonna do anything all he was eating was salad he had zero energy until it came for the match and then like you said switches on and then after great match thanks bro yes yeah, that was we, Eddie. Was if this was the curtain right here, he'd we would
4: we would joke because he'd walk like this, and then all of a sudden, right through the curtain, he'd like the Superman, da, 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 and he would be like, "This smash bam, bam, It's unbelievable when he's walking
1: through the curtain again. As soon as he went through the curtain, he'd go, "Was <laughs> were, were you guys together at that time when he when he got fired and then had to work his way back up the yeah, ladder?"
2: Yeah, uh, we were together. Um, in fact, that's probably when everything that. The fan hit the shit. <laughs> I mean, uh, shit. Yeah. yeah, shit hit the Yeah, fan. and it went back down and went back up again. Did went... you guys
1: talk about that? Like, I gotta go out there and, and and reprove myself, or was it just trying to stay alive and put well, food nope. in your?
2: Eddie went to rehab. Okay, you know, so um, I mean, gosh, he must have went through thirteen rehab check-ins, and he would go in, and it went through a series until the very last one with the fire in WWE. I sold the house. I left him um we went bankrupt we lost everything we um we had a boat um I, I was i was getting notices on my door saying you know what's been repossessed called and i'm like no take it i mean we had lost everything and i had to literally step away for eddie to do the work on his own because i was a huge enabler for eddie i did everything for him And I was sick, too, because I was in the disease just as much of trying to control the whole environment and and getting him better. And Eddie worked his ass off. And for the first year of rehab, uh, he could only call us because we didn't see him that much.
3: I would get letters from him. Like, he would send me a card all the time.
2: Yeah. And And, um, I didn't go to family day because my point of view was I didn't believe it because I saw it happen so many times. And he had to literally, uh, you know, do the work on his own. And we tried to get divorced for like two years straight, and it never worked out. I'm like, just, just divorce me already. And he be, and he called me like, get your lawyer on the phone. Let's do this. And we were, but God had a reason why we never, we never got divorced. And and during that time, he was working in the Andes, and he was, he got his own apartment, and he had the girls, and he had to build that relationship with the girls and with the, all the family. And um, I still wasn't with him, but I was watching him. And he was doing it, and that's all my prayers were, was for him to do what he wanted to do. But it was up to him to do that work. But yeah. he did it. Yeah, He did.
3: He, did it. he yeah. 100% did it. He did it. Completely different person when he came, when Think, he was better.
1: like, all the people that I've worked with and seen in 30 years of doing this, and I never worked a lot with Eddie in WWF, very rarely, but... Probably, if you had to hard-press it, maybe maybe legit the greatest total package performer. Honestly. as, as Honestly, as, as, a, as a wrestler, second to none. But when he got that Latino... Beat, and then I just saw some stuff a couple months ago with you guys, Los Guerreros. That sh- that's when you became... That's when you became a star was when you were with Eddie with Los Guerreros. He became yeah, one and yeah, then made you one He carried me. He carried me. He carried me for sure. But you
4: learned from him and yeah, you became oh. Chavo, man. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, you're right for sure. I definitely broke out of my shell. Um, Eddie, we knew it already. We all knew that this guy was super special in the ring. Um, you know, he was just, just so good and everything he did was just so good. And he was just getting better and better. What sucked is that it took... And I've talked to a couple of guys the luck my Latina world order there. I talked to them about that. You know what? It sucked that he had to die. He had to pass away for the rest of everybody to admit it. To have, you know, like uh, WWE and whatever. And not just point anybody out, but for them to actually see it and admit it and say that this guy was arguably the best of all time. But he had to pass away for that. We all knew it already. But when he was alive, it was like, hey, well, you know, you're, you're just a cruiserweight. You know, you're hey. Well, you you know, you're you're a good hand. I mean, you can make everybody look good, right. and that's kind of way it was. And unfortunately, that that that, that had to kind of happen. And now everybody's realizing they see his matches, how good he actually was. One of my buddies uh, posted on Facebook. It was a uh, uh, Ricky Reyes, and he he he, yeah, Ricky, right? El Cor- Cortez, Cortez on there, and on on Lucha Underground. But. Um, he posted a, a, a match with, in Japan, it was Pegasus Kid, better one was already doing the, uh, the Four Horsemen stuff because he had the Four Horsemen tight, against Black Tiger, Eddie. Man, what a match. And it wasn't high spot, high spot, high spot. They made, they sold moves. I mean, they worked they wrestled, rooms, they, wrestled they, could wrestle. they built a storyline. It was amazing. Like, just, It holds true to today, just
1: how good it was. I man. used to see uh, Eddie and Chris and Eddie and Dean, both of them at different times, arguing over who was going to go over. And usually, it's like, I'm going to go over. They were the other way around. You're winning. No, you're winning. You're going over. No, you're going over. Dean, I'm telling you, you're going over. Eddie, no, Chris, but... They were arguing to put each other yeah. over because those three like guys that. had such chemistry. Take any any three and put mix and match them. Just amaz- go watch some of those matches and you'll see. Because you forget, you forget that that style is lost. That
4: that and yeah that that's very few and far between too. With he he's got people that he worked with that were just just click on all sitters, and they would do the same. They pushed each other over. You got people like. Like flare and steamboat, just go out there and just destroy right, every yeah. match, you know what I mean? To me it was it was probably Ray. I mean, we just would just try our hardest to make each other look as good as we can and which made the matches even that much better, you know.
2: But Vito even after he got sober, it's like something clicked in his brain because the los Guerreros, your vignettes like with the baby stroller and I, the, all, like, the, like you want to munch on my burrito, you know, oh, in the car? God. Like, that was so... Hey, crazy.
4: we were heels, and you guys all hated us, and it was awesome. We were booing <laughs> us. It was, you know, we never won with anything fancy. We Every time we cheated to win, every single time, the office would go, hey, why don't you guys try, like, a double frog splash? I'm like, why? Why? You can't... You got to clap that. Every time, we would, say like snake it out of you to where you guys hated us, and that's what we wanted. That was our... That was our passion, Hey, I wanted you guys to call me You beaner, son of a bitch, piece of crap. I I watch what I wanted. That's what I want. That's what I strive for. And then we had this idea to say, hey, how about we we went to Vince when you could still talk to Vince at uh, at uh, catering, and we sat down with him and uh, we were talking, saying, hey, we wanted to be, you know, what did this lie, cheat, steal gimmick, and we want to do, this. and there he's like, great, awesome. By the end of the day, Bruce Pritchard was coming up to us and saying, hey. You you know uh, next week we're flying Eddie out to Beverly Hills. You already live close to there, so we're going to be uh, filming this and, and we're going to be shooting these vignettes. And I'm like, wow, that was fast. And then we got to this to shoot the vignettes, and we have a whole crew. I mean, we have we have our own trailers, we have catering, we have the whole thing. I'm like, wow, well, we need to knock this out of the park. So we shot you know the baby bottle vignette and the po- the pool they we're cleaning your pool vignette and dancing in the back. We shot those that day, and. uh and they aired, and we came out, oh, the golf, no, the golf one was later. But we were, we were, uh, um, we are heels, and they aired. They, you guys booed us, nothing changed. The next week, after they aired, we walked out, and we heard, we heard, you know, Viva La Raza, and we heard, yay! Everybody cheered us. And as we walked out, we went, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're good guys now, we're baby faces, really? <laughs> we were like. Hey. Okay. <laughs> hey, hi. Like we literally were like, oh man, really?
1: We okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as we start to wind down here, Vicky, before Eddie passed away, was he in uh, some pain? Was he was his body breaking down?
2: Yeah. You know, this is interesting because um, back then, when Eddie was wrestling a lot, uh, he would forget things, and there was just a lot of uh signs that i saw from him like he was just always tired and having the concussions and the cte you know studies come out i wish i would have said something i wish more awareness of and i was at home with the girls but you really don't see the pain that he's in until he comes home but there's nothing you can do because it's like he was home for two days so you just take him right back out again and he had a lot of pain and you know he couldn't do surgery because to take time off it was unheard of because I can't, I can't get time off.
1: Yeah. Don't lose your spot.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I guess just to, just to finish off, what's the, give us a, a, a a great memory that you have of Eddie and I'll, and I'll kick it off while you think of one. Uh, I thought of this the other day when Neil Peart from Rush passed away. The first thing I thought of is, ah, Eddie would be pissed and Eddie can now go hang out with Neil Peart because he loved Rush and that's true. You don't know that and, uh, They've said that, that Neil Peart is the most air-drummed drummer of all time. Tom Sawyer is the song. We all know it. Da, 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 boo, 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 boo. I remember I was driving. I was on the radio. And they came over. And I was wa- and Eddie so he was air-drumming that part. Just going nuts. And, you know, he's like, because he was playful. You know, he's playful. Like you said, he'd be goofy. He's like, da-na-na-na. Da-na-na-na. <laughs> da, yeah. Da-na-na-na. Then he hits my head. Like, what the fuck you doing? I'm driving. da na 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 and yeah, it's just like you know, you, you remember those things. I'll never forget. Like, that's the first thing I thought of when Neil died. It was like Eddie would be sad, but he gets to maybe say hi to him at some point.
2: Yeah. I think I remember. Well, just Eddie's personality was so much fun. Um, he, he was a cheater all the time. We used to go through hurricanes in Tampa, and um, we would always play Monopoly to make the time go by. Well, Eddie would um, we'd have by candlelight. We had a Monopoly on the table, and then it's us and the girls. And every time. The light would, or Eddie would cough, and the candle would go out. Well, Eddie would move his piece further.
3: Yeah, the so, candle would go out.
2: Yeah, he goes, it's windy outside, you know? It's, it's good. And so we're like, oh, okay. But then after a while, I guess we caught him in the act. And the girls were so pissed because they could have won like three games at night. Mm-hmm. But Eddie was just like so happy. He's like, well, I won. You know, there's nothing you can do to get back with it. Teaching you
3: a lesson, guys.
2: Yeah, yeah. He, he was just a funny guy. Yeah.
3: Um, on a more sentimental note, like, I, I miss his smell and his hugs, like, they, they were just, every, and his laugh, oh, God, he had the most infectious laugh when he was laughing, and yeah. um, I just, just to say, like, I'm forever extremely humbled and thankful for my dad giving himself so much to all of you, and I'm just honored that I got to witness it for the time I got to, so.
1: Vito, take it home, baby so
4: so many memories of he and i you know i mean stealing cigarettes as kids and smoking them at the bull ring you know and (laughs) watching our parents you know our family wrestle and stuff and wanted to be just like them and playing in the rings you know for sure um but i think this really great one has got to do with the fans and who eddie was so we're wrestling in canada somewhere it was like a like a small arena cold like it was a hockey rink somewhere in canada and we're wrestling the, wrestling the Bashams, the Basham brothers. So they're getting heat on us, and they're beating us up, they're beating us up, and uh, I'm selling in the ring, and uh, I know what the the, with, what the crowd's supposed to sound like without even watching. I can hear, okay, this part, they, you know, they can start, they should start coming right now, or they should start being quiet right now. or So they're supposed to be quiet, because it's getting heat on me, and he's beating me down, I'm selling. But I hear this weird sound in the audience, like, like I go, wait, that's not right. That well, What is that sound? Something's going on. So I look up. Eddie was on the ground selling by the guardrail. Next thing you know, he jumped over the guardrails, chasing somebody into the crowd. Like, And I'm in the ring selling. Like, what the heck's going on? Right? So then Eddie comes back there with the security, you know, stopped everything, and kind of the match kind of stopped. And I'm in the ring, and everything kind of just stopped. Eddie comes back in, and he grabs a microphone, and he goes, hey, I apologize for that. I was on the ground, and... Uh, somebody looked at me, and he was above me, and he grabbed his beer and poured it right on me. And he goes, and he, yeah, poured it right on him. And he's sitting there and he looked at him and poured it right on him. And Eddie was there and he goes, you know, he, he's in the ring now. The match has just stopped. It stopped. <laughs> and, 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 and he goes, you know, i I'm a recovering alcoholic and I feel like it's a complete disrespect to me and I lost my cool. I'm sorry. Then he goes, I'm a Christian. and I'm sorry for getting angry. I should be, you know, whatever he's saying and, and, and just apologize, apologize. And I'm going, Well, how are we? We're in the middle of a match. How are we going to get this? Like, what, like, like, what, where are we going from here, right? Sebastian, everybody just in there, kind of like, all right, cool. And then Eddie stops and then gets done and apologizes. And then he, uh, um, he get. Gives the microphone back to whoever, and as he's giving it back, he looks at the Bashings and he goes, "Jump us!" <laughs> and they jumped us and started going. We went right back into it, right back in, right into right into the, the the finish. We went back and forth, back and forth, and you know we went over, and it was just perfect timing that this guy just went from right. feeling bad, you know, apologizing to you guys, showing the love for you guys, and right back into the match, like like. Miss no beat whatsoever. I go, that was, that was Eddie right there. That was just, boom. Eddie, 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 Eddie.
1: Thank you guys, this was great. We appreciate it. Thank God you bless guys. you, Eddie, we love you, man. And viva la raza! Morale!